Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we dissect a little bit of alcohol and tease it apart to find out what the little ingredients are. Yes, today we will reach the juicy, meaty, fruity center of sangria. A nice summery beverage that is loved by everybody. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. So in front of us, of course, we have some sangria. We do. It is a DIY sangria. Now, there are, of course... As it should be. As it should be. There are ready-made sangrias Mm. and sangria mixes and... But but it's so easy to make that why wouldn't you just make it yourself? Well, it is. It is easy to make. And, I mean, that's, I guess, right back to the absolute key of its origins is the ease with which it can be produced... Because it came about at a time when water wasn't safe to drink. But wine was plentiful. So what do you do if you want to give kids something to drink but not have plastered four-year-olds running around? (laughs) You water it down with stuff. And make it uh, sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. So what sangria is, for those of you playing along at home who don't know is uh, a punch that is believed to have its origins in Spain, but uh, there were early versions of it known to have existed in uh, Greece and England as well. And uh, all of those versions are basically a red wine with fruit juice and some sort of water added to water it down and sweeten it up and make it more palatable. Mm. For those that like sweet things. Yeah, for, for those that like sweet things, absolutely. Yeah. One, uh, one common thought about the origin is that it came from the Caribbean, where a, a drink called Sangaree, uh, kind of a, almost a pre- predecessor, uh, that was served, it was served either hot or cold. Yeah, well, and in fact, there was um, a similar drink that originated in um, Greece and Rome, that was uh, red wine mixed with sugar, spices, and whatever else they had around called Hippocras. And um, it was sometimes heated like uh, like mulled wine and is old enough that it's actually considered to possibly be the common ancestor of both sangria and mulled wine. Huh. How about that? Yeah, and it also, at that time, was drunk everywhere instead of water because the water was diseased and unsafe. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty common theme, isn't it? Yeah, for a very long while, they were trying to find ways to drink water, and the easiest way they knew of to make water safe to drink was to put alcohol in it because alcohol made it safe. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have known why it made it safe. They just knew it did. Yeah, safer than safer than the... Than the water itself. Uh, I think rainwater would have been okay. Oh, yeah, rainwater would have been fine, I'm sure. That mm. if you have been able to get their rainwater tanks and put a tap on there. And... Sure. No, they, well, such s- a thing did not exist back then. <laughs> I'm sure they would have just put buckets outside and drank from those. Yeah, they, they'd have had similar, some sort of methodology for capturing rainwater, but you can only get so much, and they were tapping wells. and 
Mm. You know, if you had a good spring, you could probably get decent clean water up from a well or something, but that wasn't yeah. available everywhere. And certainly, you know, the the Greeks and the Romans were spreading far and wide. And they knew for sure that wine was going to be safe. Yeah. No matter no matter what the situation. Yeah, no matter where they were or who they were conquering that day, they knew that they could <laughs> safely drink the wine. Yeah. So sangria as it is now, the recipe, as as we said earlier, traditionally was just wine with whatever thrown into it to mm. change the flavors. But, and but because people were throwing in whatever and still calling it sangria, of course the Spanish government stepped in and went, oi, that's not sangria. Yeah, so as of... 2014, they came up with an official an official recipe for what um, yeah for what or sangria should a, be an official guideline. Yeah, and they basically said that for something to be sold as sangria, it has to be made in either Spain or Portugal. Otherwise, they have to put the name of the place where it was made before the word sangria. So you'd have Swiss sangria or German sangria. Or Australian sangria. Yeah, otherwise, American. It's, if it's sangria, you know it's Spanish or Portuguese. Mm. So the the basic but, but, recipe... But, but note that uh, Michael said, sell sangria. So people have so many different recipes for sangria that do not have to abide by these guidelines. Yeah, and almost every bar makes their own sangria mm. and can just call it sangria, especially and th- those guidelines only apply in Europe as well. Keep yeah. keep that in mind. So if mm. you're in the US or Canada or Australia or New Zealand, it doesn't apply. If you're in the UK, I'm not so sure. After, after Brexit, maybe it won't apply. <laughs> Who but, knows? But for now, it probably does. But it doesn't apply in bars anyway because they've made their own. It's not something that was sold in a bottle. They've undoubtedly mixed it themselves, yeah. And as is the tradition, left it steep in a fridge overnight, with their wine mixed in with fruit juices and chunks of fruit, and then they've added a buttload of ice into a pitcher or a jug or whatever they intend to serve it out of, mm. and then you pour it and you drink it straight up, with ice no cold. Ice. Yeah, with nothing in the glass but the drink. Hmm. And in fact, the traditional Spanish sangria pitcher has a pinched spout to catch any fruit chunks or ice and prevent them from going into the glass as you pour it. Hmm. With mixed success, with mixed success yes, sometimes. If, if you pour too wildly and there's too much, it's just going to flip over the top of other chunks and it's yeah. going to splash in there anyway. That's it. So we've been hanging out. Watch now, sangria slowly warm in front of us. Mm, but um, it is still cool, still cold. Still cold, because it's cold here. Yeah, and so we are going to taste it now, and we'll let you know how our sangria is, because we, we've told you what's in a traditional recipe for sangria. And uh, a little later on, we'll tell you what's in the official recipe for sangria, what's in the law as to what's in sangria. But, mm. Stuart, what's in our sangria? Well... In this one, there is uh, Tempranillo from Spain, specifically. Uh, There is uh, oranges. There is lemons. There is some soda water to uh, add that little bit of fizz that I think it went flat overnight. 
And in this particular recipe, there is a little bit of brandy and a little bit of triple sec. Yeah, and it's good. It goes down easy. It's nice and cool and refreshing. I think I might have put a little bit too much soda water in, though. It tastes a little watered down. But it is very refreshing. It is very refreshing, and we've uh, we've had the heat on to make it warmer <laughs> in here. So we're yeah. we're getting more of the experience that you guys over in the states would be getting if you were to to drink this. Mm. I did consider putting the temperature up to like thirty degrees just so we're sweating, <laughs> but too I thought, much, too much. Yeah, I thought that'd be overkill. We're uh, podcasters, not method actors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not willing to sweat for our art. Mm. Um, there are a couple of common kinds of sangria. There's your traditional sangria, which is red, and there's also a white sangria. Like all the recipes for each vary wildly, but these are the two, I guess, big categories that I've seen. Yeah, now that the red one is, of course, the oldest. White sangria has only popped up. In recent years. Probably from people that didn't like red wine. Yeah, un- undoubtedly. <laughs> but uh, I've never had white sangria. Mm, me neither, actually. So I'm, I'm interested to try the white sangria that you've made. And um, importantly, sangria can be red or white and still fit what the law says a sangria is. Mm, because the law doesn't specify... Red or white. Mm, it doesn't. In fact, it says that it is a drink obtained from wine, aromatized with the addition of natural citrus fruit extracts or essences, with or without the juice of such fruit, and with the possible addition of spices, sweetened and with CO2 added, having an acquired alcoholic strength by volume of less than 12%, the drink may contain solid particles of citrus fruit pulp or peel and its color must come exclusively from the raw materials used. The description sangria must be accompanied by the words produced in, followed by the name of the member state of production or of a more restricted region, except where the product is produced in Spain or Portugal. The description sangria may replace the description aromatized wine-based drink only where the drink is manufactured in Spain or Portugal. Aromatized wine-based drink. That yeah. sounds very clinical and boring. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose then if, if the Germans were to produce it, they would have to say German sangria aromatized wine-based drink. Yeah. Whereas if it's made in Spain, they don't need to say it's Spanish or that it's an aromatized wine-based drink. They can just label it sangria. That ex- actually explains the pre-made sangria I saw at the bottle shop when I was getting ingredients for this. There was a, a sangria there. That said aromatized wine-based drink. I was like, huh, how about that? There you go. So where was that imported from? I didn't look, to be honest. Ah, but you did notice that it said aromatized wine-based drink. Yeah, because I thought, well, no shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Of course it is. It's sangria. Yeah. But now knowing the law, it makes sense. Yeah. They probably just had that label on it and just imported it from somewhere else. Yes, it's, it's European, hmm. which makes it an import. It's not from the right location, but it's still... That's it. An aromatized wine-based drink. That's it. And I'm enjoying our aromatized wine-based drink. <laughs> I made it. I can call it sangria. Mm, that's true. I'm not selling it to you. You're not selling it. 
But you've sold me on it. It's, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. And because it's a red wine, you still got that fire in your belly from from drinking it too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing that I found with sangrias that I've had at uh, parties, gatherings, events and such is that the common tendency when making a large quantity of something like sangria to serve to a lot of people is to put it into some sort of a receptacle with a tap. Yes. And inevitably that always ends really badly. With, well, it'd get clogged with the Yeah, fruit, with the it? tap getting clogged with the pulp and there's a big bunch at the bottom that you just can't get to. Mm. Which is why I suppose we would recommend using some sort of a jug. Yeah. Or pitcher or... Or even using a bucket for for the big batch or a giant bowl for the big batch and serving it like punch. Yeah, even a, a punch bowl because it is, at the in the simplest terms, a punch. Yeah. Because uh, a punch is just a bunch of things mixed together and that's basically what sangria is. It's a punch. Mm. So why not serve it in a punch bowl? That's it. And then you can choose how much fruit you get in your glass without yeah. having it splash everywhere. Exactly. If you're a traditionalist, you can have no fruit in your glass. And mm. if you like to have something to munch on as you drink your drink, then you can you know, get a little bit of orange or something in there. Yeah. If there's orange in the sangria, of course. And there usually is. The yeah. vast majority of sangrias, sangria recipes that you can find online are citrusy. Yeah, well, which makes sense because citrus fruits are very common in that region. Yeah, they're well. I'm pretty sure oranges came from Spain, or at least several varieties of oranges came from Spain. Because, of course, you got the the Curacao oranges, which are Spanish. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, mm. absolutely. So, obviously, we're only pouring ourselves small glasses for for this podcast so we can switch drinks mid mid episode and uh, tell you about the white sangria as well we can be inclusive here <laughs> make sure we cover all the colors yeah so we're gonna i'm gonna pause the episode and we'll refill our glasses with some fancy white sangria yes and through the magic of editing you'll hear from us again momentarily We are back. We have our white sangria. I was going to say moments later. <laughs> because it's literally moments later. It is. It is literally moments later. That's true. But Well, to, to all you dear listeners, it's moments later. Moments later. But for <laughs> us, many years have passed. Years? It doesn't take that long to make sangria. Come on. No. no it doesn't. Uh, maybe, maybe a good wine. A good wine, yes, many five, years. Five, six years in the making. Mm, a good whiskey, many years. Ooh, that is a good five years in the making. Mm, but pouring a glass of sangria? Moments. Priceless. Priceless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, we have, the, <laughs> we have the white sangria in front of us. It's actually orange or ye- yellow because of all the, the fruit I added to this one. Yeah, it is very yellow. It's, it's almost off-putting in its color. It's not baby spew colour, come on. No, I'm not saying it's baby spew colour. But it is. But it, it is, though. <laughs> this is, yeah, it, I, I would say it's bright yellow because it's uh, from the oranges and the lemons I put in. Yeah. Because I, I put chunks in this time 
instead of just the juice. Yeah, it, it, it's the sort of color where were you to wear it on a safety vest, you'd feel pretty safe. It, it's not <laughs> it's not super super fluorescent bright, but like but like skin of a lemon yellow. Yes, skin hmm. of a lemon yellow. So I, we should probably talk about what's in it because people are going to be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Our listeners at this moment. I bet you're just thinking, what on earth are you talking about? Yeah, we have. You, you can't see what we're looking at. Here, no, so. th- this is a audio medium. Exactly. So in in the white sangria, we have uh, a riesling because I was looking for a fruity, uh, fruity, aromatic white without much tannins or dry notes. Mm. We should probably take a picture of this and put it. Oh well, yeah, we're going to put that picture on Instagram. Yes. 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 So then we can tell the listeners that um, if you want to see this rather than just relying on our undoubtedly fantastic description. I hate you so much right now. (laughs) You can look on our Instagram where there's a picture of us holding and enjoying said beverage. Mm. But so we have a Riesling and uh, what I've mixed in it is apple. I've put uh, one bottle of Riesling, two apples, um, a one whole lemon, uh, two, three oranges, and left it steep overnight, and then poured half and half ginger beer and uh, and the uh, sangria mixture. Mm, and the end result is delicious. Mm. It's slightly drier than. I was expecting, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, the, the dryness would undoubtedly be largely from the ginger beer, I think. Yeah, well, the the original recipe called for, like, half a cup of sugar and dry ginger ale. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and I'm not a huge fan of really sweet things. Yeah, and that really would sweet drinks. be really sweet, especially mm. with a Riesling as the base. Yeah, so I cut out the sugar... And I use ginger beer instead because ginger beer is sweet. It's it's not sweet, but it's a little sweet. And having it watered down with the sangria with a dry sangria mixture gives for a a nice, pleasant, slightly sweet beverage. Mm, that I, it does. I like it. I also like it. Mm. It's a good, I'll uh, I'll put the recipes for both of these drinks on the show notes so you guys can make them for yourself or modify them for yourself and go to town on Party Central. Yeah, and uh, if you do make it, we'd love to hear about that because mm. yeah, we we want to know what you think of it. Tag it. Tag us on your Instagram or Facebook, a good drop podcast. Yeah, if you if you get a picture of your finished result. We're keen to have a look. Yeah. See what you've done because it, it tastes pretty good to us. Mm. I actually like this one better than the other one. I like this better than the red sangria. But that's probably because I put a little more effort into this one. Ah. <laughs> um, I don't think the wine is quite as nice though. The The Tempranillo is a much nicer wine than this one, than the yeah. Riesling. And admittedly, one of the, uh, one of the main suggestions that people make for if you're going to make your own sangria is to start with a quality wine as the base. Mm. Obviously, don't go overboard because you're mixing it with fruit. 
but having a really cheap Riesling or a really cheap uh, Rioja or Tempranillo, it's going to ruin the sangria. Yeah, if it's too bitey, the sweetness of the fruit won't cut through it at all. Mm. It'll be terrible. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. Mm. Nobody wants that. So I... This is Australian dollars, of course, and in the Australian economic sphere, I spent about 10 to $15 on wine for the sangria. So I didn't get cheap stuff. Yeah, no, and in... In the States, that same bottle, because I know if you were to import an Australian wine over there, over in the US, you'd probably be paying twice that. But if you buy a local US wine that would be worth the same, you're probably looking at around $10. Mm. And and again, I wouldn't go any any more than that because it's, uh, it's overkill. Yeah, you, you don't want it to be a really nice one, but you don't want it to be shit. Yeah, that's our little secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sangria, fantastic hot weather drink. Uh, not a fantastic cold weather drink because it's cold and fruity. Yep, it's cold. It's supposed to be cold. Unless, of course, you're working off the earlier, more traditional recipe where you warm it up. Mm, hot sangria. Yes. Yeah. We we should have had hot sangria this time around. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously you wouldn't make it quite the same way. You'd probably leave out the soda water. Yes. And it would be more like a mulled wine. Mm. We still need to make that episode too. Mm, we do. Stay tuned. Watch this space. <laughs> Listen to this space. Yeah. I haven't had a hot white mould or hot white sangria yet. No, I'm not even sure if that's a thing. Hot white sangria. I know, because hot mead, mead, you serve hot, or you can serve hot. Mm, Or warm. I've had it like tea hot, Mm, and it's fantastic. Right, because you know you, you can't drink it fast. You could, you just got to sip it. This got this has gone straight to my head. Yeah, so that's uh, basically it for for sangria, I suppose. We're we're sort of rambling now, aren't we? We are. We've we've hit the <laughs> ramble stage, which means we've run out of content, and well, that means actually, we're we're nearly out of content. But I do have to ask you this question: When was the first time you had sangria? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. And what was your? What do you remember as your experience of your first sangria? Was, I mean, it was definitely. It would have been at a party. It would have been at a house party of some sort. Okay. Interesting. I'm almost certain it was at some sort of a house party, but I don't really recall because sangria has really quite a broad definition. Mm. I could have had it. At any point, and not even realized I was drinking sangria. That's true. the The first time I remember drinking, remember specifically drinking sangria, was a, a date. I went on a date, and we ordered sangria from this Mexican restaurant, and it was pretty good. Mm, admittedly, I think I've had it at Mexican restaurants as well, mm. but I know that wasn't the first time that I had it. Mm. The majority of times I've drunk it have been some friend or other's recipe for sangria. Right. 
which is, you know, how I know they're all good, but they're all... Di- well, they're not all good, but, Mo- you know... They're, they're mostly good. They're mostly good, but they're all different. Everyone has a different version. Mm. It, it's hard to mess up. Like, if you're following the general idea of sangria, it's hard to get wrong. You can get some weird flavours, I'm sure, but... But as long as yeah, as long as those weird flavours work, as long as you're keeping in mind that you want to use complementary flavours... Hmm. We have an episode on that. We do. <laughs> so if you're concerned that you won't get complimentary flavors, have a listen to that episode where we yeah, where we uh, talk about food pairings. Food pairings. Yeah. So, sangria. We need a bottle cap rating. Yeah. So How many bottle caps out of 10? Oh, I think I'd give... Keep in mind, this is homemade and I've yeah. never made it before. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to give the red sangria 7 out of 10 bottle caps. Yep. And I think I would give the white sangria 8 out of 10 bottle caps. Hmm. Honestly, I would do the same. I would say the same. Um, Or maybe 7.5 for both. Or just sangria in general. Because as a a drink, regardless of the specific sangria we're drinking, it's really refreshing. Yeah, they're both very refreshing. I mean, on the refreshing scale, if I was just giving it a bottle cap rating for how refreshing it is. That's like a nine and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's nine and a half bottle caps out of ten. That's, you know, that's cracked the, on the refreshing scale. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, because it's watered down and it's mixed with fruit and other good stuff, it tends not to be too alcoholic either. Maybe around six and a half to eight percent, so you yeah. can drink a few of these before you get drunk. Yeah, which is interesting because, like they say, it has to be official sangria has to be under twelve percent. Mm. That's not but hard to do. No, I, I think you'd struggle to put it over twelve percent and have it still taste like sangria. Mm. It would be a very boozy sangria. You'd have yeah. to mix like brandy and Cointreau and or tri- brandy and triple sec. In it, yeah. I, I guess if all of the citrus flavors you were infusing into it came from citrus liqueurs, <laughs> then, then you'd end up with quite an alcoholic, quote yeah. unquote, sangria. Because it wouldn't, you couldn't officially call it sangria at that point. You'd call no. it a sangria cocktail, yes, or a wine cocktail. Yeah. Mm. But as as it stands, the one we the ones we're drinking today are probably between. Six and eight percent. I suppose unless you have a a really boozy wine, like I've seen wines that are like seventeen percent. Yeah, there are some strong wines. Like I've seen some. Yeah, that between eight and ten standards a bottle. Yeah, which is overkill, really. Mm. Yeah, the the average tends to be around seven. Mm. Or um, a lot. Well, common. The, the, well, some of the most boozy ones I've seen are twelve. Twelve percent. Yeah, which is it's up there, mm. but that's not that's not that common. No, well, and once you've mixed stuff into it to turn it into a sangria, it's going to be under twelve percent, and less exactly. of the things you mixed in with an alcohol. Exactly. So that's pretty much it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, we'd love you to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Yeah, smash that like button. Sm- smash that subscribe button. Um, spread the news to your friends. You can find us on your favorite podcast app as a good drop all about alcohol. Find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify. Uh, 
most RSS feed, most RSS feeds. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the socials as a Good Drop podcast, and you can find us under that name on Facebook and Instagram. Mm, look for the beer icon. Uh, if you want to uh, share a specific episode with your friends, or if you want to uh, have a look at previous episodes, you can check out our website, a gooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any suggestions, comments, questions, feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to a gooddrop at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, now our favourite part where we tell you what's happening next time, and that is, drumroll please, we are doing another one about the right glass to drink from Mm. to get the best out of your drink, and this time that drink will be beer. Yeah, we had a lot of good feedback about the uh, sparkling white episode, so we thought we'd do another one. Yeah, because it turns out that... The glass you're drinking the drink from makes a pretty big difference. And mm. I, I feel like I learned a lot from the Sparkling White episode. Me too, actually. Like, I was surprised at how big a difference it was. Yeah, and I'm, I'm keen to learn what the best glass is to drink beer out of. And if you want to know which glass that is and which beer it is we're drinking out of it, you'll just have to tune into that episode. That's it. See you next week, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.